from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. I was delighted when the first sponsor of Newt's World was Oxford Gold Group. I love entrepreneurial startups of people who are eager willing to go out and do new and different things. And as a historian, I know that having a balanced portfolio is a very important thing. And they offer financial information and background information that I think uh, is very helpful. So whatever you decide to do in the end, I think you'll find the information they have is really worthwhile. And that's why I'm delighted to introduce you to the Oxford Gold Group. Most of us still remember what happened to our 401ks and IRAs back in 2008 during the financial crash. In a flash, millions of hardworking Americans lost more than half of their retirement and savings. Many of us still haven't recovered those losses, even as the stock market reached record highs. Did you know that while the stock market crashed, the price of gold and silver skyrocketed? In fact, investors who had the foresight to diversify a portion of their retirement and savings before the 2008 meltdown watched as the price of gold and silver went up over 300%. While millions of Americans lost their nest eggs in the stock market, many others were able to make gains most people had never seen before. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 1-833-327-9472 or visit oxfordgoldgroup.com slash newtsworld and request your free investor's guide. Investing in precious metals with the Oxford Gold Group is safe and secure. We tailor investment packages to suit any portfolio. Don't risk the future of your IRA, 401k, or savings on paper investments. Protect your retirement and savings with physical assets like gold and silver. Nobody knows when the next financial crisis will happen. Get prepared by talking to the Oxford Gold Group 
by calling 1-833-327-9472 or by visiting oxfordgoldgroup.com slash newtsworld. Financial security is just a phone call away. The story of the contract with America begins with Newt Gingrich. When Newt came to Congress, he was very impatient. He wanted to get things done. He was somebody who aspired to leadership. The contract provided substance behind the rhetoric. It's remarkable how wonderful winning is, and it can change people's views of everything. this episode of Newt's World, we're going to explore a historic moment 25 years ago, in November 1994, when the Republican Revolution took control of the House for the first time in 40 years, using a concept called the Contract with America. It was a remarkable moment because for 40 years, the same party, the same ideology, had been in control of the House without much challenge. And suddenly, At the end of that 40 years, they were defeated decisively, and you had new people, new chairman, new leaders, new speaker, all moving the country in a significantly different direction. The gap between the liberalism of the Democrats and the conservatism of the Republicans meant that shifting power in the House, decisively shifted power in Washington, made it possible to reform welfare, to balance the federal budget, to have a whole series of changes that could never have occurred without some kind of breakup of the old order. And in that process, the contract with America, a specific pledge to the American people that if you elect us, we will do these things, that contract became the tool which enabled us to end four decades of one-party rule and to create a period of dramatic reform and dramatic change. delighted that tonight on Fox News at 8 p.m. Eastern, on the 25th anniversary of the contract with America, I think we're once again in a period where there are big decisions to be made, big questions to be answered. And when you look back on what happened with the contract with America in the 1994 election, it was a moment of decisive change. When I say decisive, think about this. For 40 years, From the election of 1954 to the election of 1994, the Democrats controlled the U.S. House of Representatives. Now, that included President Eisenhower's re-election, President Nixon's election, President Reagan's election and re-election, and President George H.W. Bush's election. Yet, no matter what the Republicans were doing at the presidential level, and that included some control of the U.S. Senate, They could never break through in the House. And so suddenly here we were, 40 years of Democratic control ceases in one evening. And a major part of that was the adoption by the House Republicans of a contract with America, a contract that was important, first of all, because it was about things the American people wanted. It was about balancing the budget. It's about reforming the Congress. It was about reforming welfare. It was about cutting taxes. It had a series of steps that 
70 or 80 percent of the American people really wanted to have Congress take. And they really knew that the Democrats had failed to take them. And so after 40 years, exhaustion had set in and they were ready for something new. It was also historic because it shifted decisively the balance of power. Think about this. For four decades, people knew the Democrats would be in charge of the House. You'd go out to recruit somebody to run for Congress, and if you're a Republican, you know and they know you're recruiting them to serve in the minority. If you're a Democrat, you know and they know you're recruiting them to serve in the majority. So it was much easier for Democrats to recruit, much harder for Republicans to recruit. And these things become self-fulfilling prophecies on the contract, on its importance, on how it happened. I think it will be a great civics lesson because there were things that were done that could be done again, but that were quite remarkable. First of all, it was a team effort. It wasn't one or two or three people. I ended up becoming Speaker of the House, but that's because there was a whole team. Congressman Bob Walker, who had been my ally for years, played a major role in thinking through how to make this happen. We had a whole series of dinners in the basement of Tortilla Coast to talk through how we were going to make this into a real successful revolution. The people who I remember being there were Dick Armey, Tom DeLay, Bill Paxton, Newton, myself. They came out of there thinking that we can all work together and trust each other to do the heavy lifting and not cut and run on each other. Congressman Dick Armey, who was the chairman of the conference and became the majority leader, played a key role in organizing the legislation. Dan Meyer, who today is working for Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, was at that time my chief of staff, played a decisive role. Joe Gaylord, who's been my partner on politics since the early 1980s, he was on the whole journey with me year after year. Remember, I came into Congress in 1978, and I said, we need to become a majority. We've been a minority for 24 years. Well, we lost in 80, 82, 84, 86, 88, 90, 92. You know, it's getting a little tiring by that stage. Finally, we won in 94, and sometimes people go, boy, you guys sure were lucky. No, we were lucky, but more importantly, we were prepared. We had grown a team ready to go out and win the election. And frankly, it took a team. It's a big country. One of the lessons, I think, for the Republicans in Congress today is to think about how are you going to have big enough issues? How are you going to recruit good enough people? How are you going to run a national campaign where people get up in the morning and say, yes, I want them to win? So this 25th anniversary, I think, is a very useful moment before we get into the actual 2020 campaign to think about how politics works in America, how government works in America. We picked up 53 seats that year. Nobody expected that. It was a remarkable breakthrough. The Democratic Speaker of the House, Tom Foley, lost. The Democratic Chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, Dan Rostenkowski, who was in a very Democratic district in downtown Chicago, Nobody thought he was in trouble. He lost. Again and again, we were able to reach out, and we ran in all except three districts. Out of 435 districts in 1994, 432 of them had Republican candidates. So we were the most competitive we'd ever been in modern times. And I think that took a real commitment. Now, the Capitol Steps event 
was the second time we'd done that. We actually did the first one back in 1980. It was a remarkable moment. I'd been approached by Republican National Committee Chairman Bill Brock with the idea that maybe we could get all of our House and Senate candidates to stand on the steps with Governor Reagan and with George H.W. Bush as vice presidential nominee and pledge that we would do a set of things. I really wanted to do it because I knew that my good friend Mac Mattingly, who was running for the Senate that year in Georgia, was going to come very close to beating incumbent Senator Herman Talmadge, who had a big scandal and who'd had a very strong Democratic opponent in the primary, but that probably Mac couldn't quite get the last 2 or 3 or 4%, and he needed some boost from Reagan to get over the top. And so we put together an event, and in the fall of 1980, for the first time ever, we had a chance to bring all the Republican candidates together to commit to a series of specific big ideas, all of them based on the Reagan campaign, And the result was we picked up 12 U.S. Senate seats, one control the Senate when nobody thought we would. Six of those 12 we won by a combined total of 75,000 votes. So you can see that that Capitol Steps event really made a big difference. Now, in that setting, as we came up through the years, when we got to 1994, we said, well, let's learn some lessons from that. And, And let me be clear. A lot of what we did was standing on Ronald Reagan's shoulders. He'd campaigned on welfare reform since 1965, running for governor. He was deeply committed to a balanced budget. He believed in lower taxes. A lot of the pieces of our concept grew out of Reagan and and his belief system, and that made it easier for our members to rally together and decide that they wanted to be part of this kind of a contract. Now, we decided just instinctively that we wanted to do a contract. The reason was People were used to candidates making promises. We needed to have something different. We needed to have a flavor that said, look, we're really serious about this because we wanted to convince a lot of people who normally didn't vote in an off year that this was worth their going out and voting for. So we called it a contract. We really worked very hard to build publicity. I come out of a school that believes that repetition beats everything else, partly, I suspect, because I represented Atlanta and the Coca-Cola model was you had to hear the word Coca-Cola seven times a week to be reminded about a product which began in the 1870s. So I really understood the idea of repetition. And so we wanted all the way through starting in May, June, began talking about the idea of a contract, talking about the ideas that go into it. We developed it. We got Haley Barber and the Republican National Committee to pay for a two-full-page ad in TV Guide, the most expensive ad ever taken on behalf of the House Republicans. Newt's big idea was we're going to put an ad in TV Guide. The idea was we're going to put an insert in there about contract with America. And the message is if you elect Republicans to run the House of Representatives, if we win the House of Representatives, this is what we pledge we'll do. Now, it's a sign of how the world has changed. But back then, TV Guide was the biggest magazine in America. Nobody in the House Republican Party, after 40 years in the minority, thought it was possible to get that kind of attention. And so Haley Barber gave us a commitment that really worked. And as a result, our members had a sense of excitement. Now, it also meant they had to be for the contract. So one of the interesting processes that we went through was convincing the members, look, we're all going to go out here on the Capitol steps. We're all going to sign the contract. And 
We had a handful of members who didn't want to, but all but three of them did sign it. And as a result, you had a huge momentum of positive thought. Today on these steps, we offer this contract as a first step towards renewing American civilization. I'm going to sign the contract now as the last member to do so on behalf of the Republican Conference. We had actually pretty good rule of thumb for what made an issue part of the contract. Remember, you could pick tons of things. And I had two sets of rules. The first one was not to put anything in which would allow the New York Times and the Washington Post to attack us as extremists. I personally believed in school prayer. I personally am very strongly committed on issues of life. But I knew if we put those two in, the entire thing would be distorted and our liberal news media would attack us for putting together a right-wing document. So we avoided giving our opponents in the media an easy target. The second thing we did is we had a ground rule. Everything had to be at least 70 and preferably 80% approval. We knew, for example, that there was overwhelming support for welfare reform. The people believe in the work ethic. They were tired of paying people to be dependent. And so we were able to go out and we were able to put together a welfare reform plank. And why did that matter? Well, it mattered because if you're going to run as a party which has not been in power for 40 years, if you're going to run 100 or 150 candidates who've really never been candidates before, you've got to give them things to talk about that give them a huge advantage. The Republicans had to have talking points. We wanted our candidates mutually reinforcing each other. So if you were out driving and you happened to drive through Boise, Idaho, and you heard one of our candidates on local drive time radio, we wanted their message to reinforce what you're going to hear later on that day if you drove through Spokane, Washington. Plus, we thought that the points we had come up with in the contract were just more powerful than people would find randomly on their own. So this was a very serious and a very concerted effort. So we wanted our candidates to be able to go on drive time radio back home and have the interviewer say, so how do you feel about welfare reform? Oh, I'm really for welfare reform. I believe in work. How do you feel about a balanced budget? Oh, I'm committed to a balanced budget. When you did three or four or five of those in a row, that person driving to work listening to you is going, well, I agree with that one, and I agree with that one, and I agree with that one. And all of a sudden, they're going, gee, you know, this candidate's pretty good. And that was a big part of our underlying effort to put all of this together. When we come back, we'll revisit election night in November 1994 when the Republicans took the majority. This is week three of my profile plan journey. Debbie and I are discussing the concepts both of early weight loss, but also of non-scale victories, which I think is an important part of how profile approaches all of this. And we're very fortunate because we have a chance to chat with our profile counselor, Abby, let me just start and say, Abby, how are you today? Hi, Newt Debbie. I'm very well, thank you. This week, we're talking about early weight loss and non-scale victories. Tell me, how are you both doing? Well, I've lost seven pounds. I did that while going through uh, several weeks of traveling, including one week to five different cities. Traveling, it can be really challenging to stick to your plan. I'm excited to say I stepped on the scale today, and I've lost 17.9 pounds. I'm thrilled. I feel much better. 
you've both seen weight loss, which is great. Tell me more about some of your more non-scale victories. It's a major victory for me not to have gained seven pounds. I also think that it's helped me be much more aware both of what I eat, but also more aware of getting sleep and pacing myself. For me, it's I feel like I'm shopping in my closet again. So I think um, the fun part is uh, going back and being able to fit into some clothes that, you know, a month ago were impossible has been a huge victory for me. Newt, Debbie, I really appreciate both of you sharing your victories along the way as well as your challenges. Learn more about Newt and Debbie's journeys to better health at profileplan.com slash Newt. Right now, Newt's World listeners get an exclusive offer, $100 off a one-year profile membership by visiting profileplan.com and entering code NEWT. Get your health journey started today with a free coach consultation at your nearest profile location or by visiting profileplan.com slash NEWT. That's profileplan.com slash N-E-W-T. Election night was amazing. Because I knew him in local talk radio, my good friend Sean Hannity agreed to be the host for the election night in Georgia. The results started to come in. We'd already been told on September 17th that we were going to pick up 53 seats by Joe Gaylord, who really knew the country so well. It was astonishing. The fact that we had really followed and tracked and had a pretty good sense of what was going to happen. And on election night, as the returns started to come in, as we started to pick up seats that nobody thought we could win, we began to realize, you know, this is going to come together. It was remarkable. My two daughters, Jackie Cushman and Kathy Lubbers, were there. They knew they were part of history. Many of our friends who'd been major supporters, Gay Gaines, for example, who had run GOPAC and helped us grow the modern party, Bo Calloway, who had run GOPAC before Gay, they were all there. All of my local supporters from Cobb County and from around Georgia were there. People like Steve Hanser and Mel Steely, who I taught with at West Georgia College. It was a remarkable, remarkable evening. I think that we we were a little overwhelmed as the evening went on just by people calling from all over the country, talking with us, and beginning to recognize that we actually were going to have to organize the House and actually going to have to do things. We had not been in a majority for 40 years. If you were under 58 years of age, you'd never voted in an election that had a Republican House majority. And if you were a hardcore, solid Republican supporter, you were just giddy. We're winning. We're winning. We're winning. Let me say, first of all, that Haley Barber, who will go down in history, I think, as one of the great national chairmen of all time, didn't tell you the whole story. This ad was in TV Guide because Haley Barber and the Republican National Committee paid, I think it was $280,000 to put this in there. And when he said, if, if the House Republicans are willing to commit to real change, 
Al pay for the ad, an awful lot of folks thought he had lost his mind. Most of them have since told him how glad they were that they thought it up. <laughs> but we would not be here as a majority without Haley Barber and the Republican National Committee. Peter Jennings. Good evening. We begin tonight with the most straightforward reaction we've heard all day to the results of yesterday's midterm election. The Democratic chairman, David Wilhelm, said simply, we got our butts kicked. And you can see how badly by this. In every race for the Senate, the House and for governor yesterday, not one incumbent Republican lost. Republicans are now the majority party both in the Congress and in the governor's mansions across the nation. The only power base the Democrats still have is the one that was not at stake yesterday, the presidency itself. After 40 years of Democratic control of the House, Americans grew wary of candidates saying one thing and doing another. I had the opportunity to lead a team of conservatives hungry for the opportunity to take over the party and the House and try a new way of governing. We embarked on a listening tour to learn what was most important in people's lives. And from that, create an agenda worth voting for. We promised Americans that if they voted Republican, we would fight for 10 important planks, each representing bills we would bring to the floor in the first 100 days of office. We created the contract with America because a campaign promise is one thing. A contract is something very different. We even added a scorecard on the Planck's Inside TV Guide. And if we didn't bring these bills to the floor in the first 100 days, the American people could kick us out. The importance of the first 100 days was, first of all, that it was a model that President Franklin Delano Roosevelt had used uh, to maximize getting things through back in 1933. Second, we wanted a deadline to force ourselves to work. Ironically, the person who's written best about this is Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, who wrote a book back in 2007. It was Schumer's view that the real purpose of the contract with America was to radicalize the House Republican Party, that it was a management document, and he was exactly right. I, I knew that it would be powerful for us in terms of the election, but more importantly, I didn't want to create a majority and have them promptly run over to Georgetown and start going to lobbyist cocktail parties and become normal. I wanted them to consciously be different, to be reform-oriented, to be militant. And that lasted about three years. We couldn't sustain it forever. But for about three years, we were very, very different and very much in the tradition of Henry Clay and the Warhawks back in 1810. He said, in the first hundred days, we're going to vote in every one of these. Now, I want to make a point about this. I think it's very important to understand that we did this very carefully. We promised what we could do. We didn't promise what we couldn't do. We didn't promise we'd pass everything because we knew we didn't have the votes. But as the speaker, I could schedule everything. So we said we will have a vote on everything in the first 100 days. And we did. And on the House side, we passed everything except the term limits, which did not get a constitutional majority. But we passed a constitutional amendment for a balanced budget. We passed every major bill. Now, imagine when we sat down after election and we took stock, we realized that the only Republican who had served in a Republican House majority was Congressman Bill Emerson of Missouri, 
who was a page in 1954. There was not a single congressman on the Republican side who had served in a Republican majority. There were several Democrats who'd switched and become Republican. They'd served in Democrat majorities, but it was remarkable. So we have an entire team here, and this is where Bob Walker was so important, because Walker is a great parliamentary leader, understands the rules of the House, and he literally spent December training our members. I mean, we didn't have people who were used to being in the chair. So how do you preside over the House? How do you use the gavel? What are the procedures you're following? So we went through all of that. And on the opening day, we probably went a little bit overboard, I'll be honest. We met till like two or three in the morning. We did so much. I think if we'd been a little wiser, we might have spread that out over three days. We were so excited. We felt like we were making history. So with partnership, but with purpose, I passed this great gavel of our government. With resignation, but with resolve, I hereby end 40 years of democratic rule of this House. I now have the high honor and distinct privilege to present to the House of Representatives our new speaker, the gentleman from Georgia, Newt Gingrich. The second day we were there, we put the Thomas system online at the Library of Congress so any American anywhere in the country, at no cost, with no lobby, could go online, for example, and see bills. And one of my proudest moments was when Bill Archer, the chairman of Ways and Means, got up and announced that he had introduced the tax cut and that and they read the URL for you to go and look up the tax cut on the new congressional internet. And I was so proud of that breakthrough because it meant that every American had a chance to learn about their Congress on their terms without having to pay anybody. So we really worked at it. We went, first of all, in terms of just sheer power and the change of how the system worked, we went for 40 years with no Republican being Speaker of the House, no Republican majority. In 94, we took control. We kept it for 12 years until 2006. Then in 2010, with John Boehner's really remarkable leadership, we took it back again, and we kept it until last year. So suddenly you went from a period where they had controlled the House for 40 years to a period where for 20 out of the last 24 years, we have controlled the House. Now, that's a real shift in power. It's a real shift in who's moving ideas, who's moving legislation, what's happening. Some of it was remarkably important. I'll just give you one example. Welfare reform, which was far and away the most important single domestic bill we passed, changed the whole face of welfare. Before our welfare reform bill, every welfare office in the country trained people on how to be dependent, how to maximize getting money from the government, how to avoid work. After we passed welfare reform, they became employment offices. They started training people. They started helping people find jobs. The miraculous result was that in the first couple years, we had the largest decline in the number of children in poverty in American history because their parents went to work, got salaries, began to rise, life got better. And so I look at things like that and I think, you know, the contract did make a big difference. It was a remarkable moment. I'm very proud to have been part of it. It is possible to have an idea-oriented campaign to offer big reforms 
to rally the American people and to move the country in the right direction. And remembering the 25th anniversary of the contract, I think, is really an important thing to do. Next, we'll talk about the legacy of the contract and why it's still important today. This is a night to celebrate, so I just want to share one, just one story with you, because I thought it was so amazing. We were on the House floor last night. We were down to the last vote. We had defeated the Democrats' substitute, and we had defeated the Democrats' motion to recommit. And I never, ever before fully understand how much they love bureaucrats and hate tax cuts. <laughs> there we were on the House floor. We were about to vote. I, got my, I was about to get my voting card out. I was excited. It was the final big vote of the contract. And suddenly a Democrat jumped up. Now, we had been debating all day, and every Democrat had said, this is a huge tax cut, we can't afford it. This is a $189 billion tax cut, we can't afford it. This takes money away from bureaucrats and gives it to children, we can't afford it. This takes more money away from bureaucrats and gives it to entrepreneurs. It takes even more money away from bureaucrats and gives it to senior citizens. This is a horrible tax cut. And at the last second, one of the Democrats jumped up and said, I have a point of order. This is a tax increase. <laughs> now, I thought it was one of the weirdest moments in the history of the House. <laughs> and then I realized that was a Democrat from Northern Virginia who represented bureaucrats and resented the tax cuts. And he just couldn't get it. So I just want all of you to know, this was the beginning. You made it possible. With your help, we passed it. And with your help, we're coming back in May to even bigger and even better and even more exciting achievements. Thank you. The Republican Revolution of 1994 really happened, I think, for three very different reasons. First, there had been a group of younger activist Republicans who had been working now for 16 years to create a majority. And they knew they had to go all out in order to become a majority. Second, we were still standing on Ronald Reagan's shoulders, and we knew, or at least we believed, that the core of Reaganism, welfare reform, the work ethic, lower taxes, more economic growth, those kind of ideas, we believe deeply, still appealed to a massive majority of Americans. And third, after 40 years in power as a monopoly, the Democrats had finally just gotten tired. And so they were sort of in a position to being knocked out of power. We had a bunch of hungry, aggressive, eager people really wanting to get into power. And Ronald Reagan had given us a set of ideas powerful enough 
and clear enough to, in fact, enable us to win a majority. I think the contract remains important because, first, it's proof that you can change history. It's proof that something can happen that hadn't happened in 40 years. Second, it's proof that you can be for big, positive ideas and actually run an idea-oriented campaign and have the country respond by electing you. And third, it's important because it's a reminder that it takes a team to run a country the size of America and that when that team came together, the American people responded. You can learn more about the 1994 Republican Revolution and the contract with America tonight on Fox News at 8 p.m. Eastern when the documentary premieres and on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Westwood One. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our editor is Robert Borowski and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. Our guest booker is Grace Davis. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. The music was composed by Joey Salvia. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360 and Westwood One's John Wardock and Robert Mathers. Please email me with your comments at newt at newtsworld.com. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, one of my favorite podcasts, because it's about one of my favorite topics, the movies. I love the movies, and I hope when I share with you why I love the movies and I talk about some of the great films that have moved me, that you'll decide you love the movies too. So I urge you to listen to the next episode on Newt and the Movies. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. The Westwood One Podcast Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.